on and off between different things like getting wheel bearings off a vehicle and smashing them out and putting new ones in, stuff like that. Odd ideas go through your head, especially if when you've been doing this sort of thing for years, all your own stuff, and you see the quality of everything going down and down and down each time you do it. It's, uh, it's quite amazing when they keep going on about um, sustainability and yet at the same time, the big boys who are the bosses of sustainability uh, generally have the, the largest shares in the big companies and make the junk that they sell you and nothing's meant to last very long. So, they're, of course, they're hypocrites, but what else is new? But getting back to reality, we'll talk about that when I come back from this break. many, many times when you think about reality and ask people's definitions of it. Generally, they're the same as what is, is. In other words, whatever they've been brought in, up into, what society they've been brought up or born into and brought up in is, is, is reality. It's the normal way things could be. They can't imagine it being any other way. And they truly have been taught, and they believe this. It's an easy thing to want to believe. It's a lazy way out that we just sort of... Um, go through life and, and centuries even uh, stumbling along some dark pathway and uh, occasional guiding light uh, pulls them in a different direction. That's what they think. Um, they think things are actually happening, uh, not by plan, but always by accident, you might say, and sudden discoveries and sudden inventions and things like that. They don't realize that those in power never, and Plato said this, could never allow anything to start at the bottom level of society that wasn't planned because it could upset the whole, the whole um, system of control. Therefore, those in control and have been in control for an awful long time always plan the centuries. And it's taught in economics, in fact, uh, that long-term investment strategy for corporations and companies, uh, you, you plan it out in 50 years, in 100 years, where you want to be in 50 or 100 years. And step by step, you, you hope to achieve certain goals by 10 years, 15, 20, and so on. The United Nations does the same thing because they, they really use the same system as the Soviet or the communist system where they had five-year plans for one certain aspect, 10 for another, 15, 50 for another, etc., 100-year plans for other ones. That's how society really is run. And when they're changing you from one reality into another reality – they had to go uh, almost in a war-type mode. In fact, it is a war-type mode, a war on your mind. Everyone must start believing the same things at the same time, even though it starts with a little sort of faint glow, like brush taken off with a spark, and, and starting to sort of um, smoke a little bit, and, and then it gradually comes into fire until it's normal. That's how it goes through society, because most folk don't really consciously go, go and inquire uh, as, as to see if news is even has any factuality at all. They, they really believe the news is genuine, even though people 50 years ago were very suspicious of all news because they knew their histories. And corporations that ran news uh, media 
uh, were just that. They were private corporations with their own agendas, you see. Uh, now in the days when we've got equal uh, uh, propaganda, uh, you have left-wing and right-wing propaganda, and that they both are wealthy people, run by wealthy people, both sides. And really it's one side that really runs them all. I always say the left-wing and the right-wing uh, are attached to the same bird, and the body of the bird is always hidden behind a shield. You'll find that, you see, so the public can't see it or who they are. But when you have a, a bunch of millionaires on one side and lawyers and a bunch of millionaires on their side and lawyers, uh, how, can, how on earth can they possibly speak for the people, especially that type who've literally psychopathically clawed their way up to the top into CEO positions of corporations, etc.? You need to be a psychopath to do that, you see. And if you have any feelings at all, your own guilt would bring you down. You wouldn't be able to, to stab the next person in the back to get above them. But these people have no, no shame whatsoever. They, they are psychopathic. Many um, articles have been written about it in the last few years, and thank goodness, because it's about time they realize that psychopaths aren't just the guys at the bottom level, the inadequate types that simply want to get drunk, uh, or they see something in a shop window, they smash uh, the window and grab the item. Uh, they have no, t no um, ability to hold back frustration. If they want something, they've got to get it. The, the intelligent psychopath, especially if he's born into families of power with psychopathic cultures anyway, um, will use the system. They'll go to the right granite school, uh, granite stone universities, uh, they'll go to, and through the right channels to get to the top, but then they'll, they'll really start fighting from then on to get even higher because they're addicted to power. All sides, doesn't matter who they are. Since about the, the 1900s, I'd say, they brought science in in a big, big way, all these power groups, you say, to aid them. And we saw the transformation uh, of of one type of system into another type of system in what was called eventually the Soviet system. And people lived through that era, going from one reality to another, completely other reality, where upside was, was, was downside and downside was upside and, and everything was literally turned upside down and you had to learn what was the new reality or you could be killed for sticking the old reality. No, no kidding, you could be killed for doing that or locked up as having mental illness. Lots of them were, for saying what used to be. They weren't allowed to remember how things used to be. That was forbidden. If you tried, if, if you did publicly state how things used to be, you'd have to, to say it was terrible. It was all this terrible um, uh, um, fascist, etc., 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 capitalist uh, bad guys who were running the world, and you had to learn that very, very quickly or you could be killed, you see. Different reality, and you live through it. Now, we're living through the greatest change, planned change, planned a long time ago, uh, since, since that happened with uh, the revolution in Russia. We were, giving, we're getting a, a whole new reality bombarded at us every day from the media, nonstop, being taught now in schools to make sure an up-and-coming generation are completely propagandized and totally indoctrinated into a new ideology. And one day, you will be locked up 
if you mention in front of one of these people when they're about 20 and wearing a black uniform uh, something that's politically incorrect or you've got a memory of a good steak, a good, a good juicy steak, something like that, they'll lock you up because it'll be taboo, you see. You can, you'll be able to say, oh, that meat eating was terrible, it was awful, awful stuff. That'd be okay. You get a slap on the back and called comrade. But if you uh, actually say you can remember what a juicy steak tasted like, it'll be taboo. I'm not kidding you. Because we're going to, going to go through, and we are going through, an organized madness. But it's this method to the madness because it's planned. The whole system is planned. Remember, those who give you reality can never give you the truth of anything they tell you. In fact, it's taboo to give you any truth whatsoever. You must always be told rampant lies. You must always be told it's for the good of the people. That's always used, you see. And they can never tell you the real agenda. It's like the, it's like the socialized health care. There are no people out there at the top that want to help the people at the bottom. It's never been that way. It has never been that way. It never will be that way. There's a show of it, mind you. There's always a show of it, and there's a few token things put out, like, like well, Canada's got them. They've run down old clinics you walk into, and you take this, this big number off a wall, and you sit there. They don't give you a little clip to put on your ear so it can hang there like a cow, but you can hold it in front of you if you want to, and then uh, eventually your, your number is called up. You know, that, That's factory medicine. That's socialized medicine. Mind you, mind you, the politicians and their own class, etc., from all sides, uh, left wing, uh, right wing, uh, 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 upside and downside, they have a different system for themselves. People don't realize that in Canada, I think it was in the 80s, it was, this was in the time of Preston Manning when he was in, or he was running, uh, the, the, there was a document signed, all politicians signed it, to give themselves special care, medical care for themselves and their families in top military hospitals. So the socialized system of hospitals and, and walking clinics wasn't good enough for them, you see. And I think the U.S. did the same thing at the same time. And I think it went across the whole Western world at the same time. Because everything happens, you see, at the same time. Because of the, the being cahoots for an awful long time together. So therefore, there's always a, a reason for... And, and meanwhile, they're never, the, Canada is great at propaganda. Canada gives out fantastic propaganda to the outside world. And they keep telling even the Canadians they've got the best healthcare system in the world. As you take your little little card there and stick it in front of you and wait for your number to get called up and you might wait there all day and just before your turn if the, the doc who's managing the clinic is called off to the hospital you, you'd be asked to come back the next day and try your luck again but you have to start from scratch obviously and take another number that's, what it is, that's how it is here uh, but though if you really need an abortion quickly or if you need a vasectomy quickly or a tubal ligation, it's fast. Because you see, when government runs medicine, there's a political agenda behind it. And we all know the hype these days because it's part of the new reality. There's too many people, there's too many people. As the United Nations itself gives you the statistics every year that we're just plummeting through sterility in the West. And the only reason there seems to be too many people 
in the Western countries is because the same governments that keep saying there's too many people have floodgates opened to immigration. And the the same governments have been doing this for 20, 30 years now to give you the impression of overpopulation in your own countries. See, we're global now. We're global. After World War I, and I have the boots going way back, uh, they were talking about too many people still being alive after World War I. It, it hadn't killed enough people off from Britain. Mind you, there are whole villages throughout Britain where you see that Masonic tombstone there with all the names on it of the guys who got killed. They didn't have any men left at all. But it, wasn't, it so wasn't good enough. And then they put in a program of don't have any more than two children. Most obeyed. And then they still tell you there's too many of you. Don't in the flood to immigration. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning there that you can't please your masters, you see, because it's not meant that you please them in that way. Because they have another agenda. Oh, there was always another reason and another agenda at work at the same time as you're still working on the bottom agenda that you think is reality. You see? So you can't please them. You can have one or two children per family for 20, 40, 60 years, and then they still turn around and say there's too many. Then they open the floodgates to immigration, and then they watch everybody rush into the country. Crime escalates. The cops love it because they can hire like crazy, you see? which gives them the, 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 gives more control over the state over the public. You see how things really are done and the reasons why they're really done? It all works together that way. They know what they're doing at the top. They're not stupid at all. They're not stupid at all. And sometimes the only way you can get through to people in times of, of massive bombardment or propaganda is to use satire. Satire can cut through and even teach people who are totally in the land of the blind and uh, in the land of the dead, sometimes you get a chuckle out of them that, that starts off a little glimmer of hope, you know, somewhere deep inside them. Inside you, certainly, if you see a glimmer of hope in someone you thought was dead. But it might burst into flames through satire. They understand satire and comedy, you see. So this article here explains, as it goes along, really what satire is. And it's called checktheevidence.com because really it sums up all the rubbish we're hearing today, this massive blitz and propaganda we're getting from all directions of sustainability and CO2 and, uh, and flu outbreaks everywhere and yada, yada, yada. Only flu outbreaks are in the media. That's where it is. It'll be like the last one, too. When you stop talking about it, it'll be gone. You see? This is called checktheevidence.com. It's called Global Media Flu Pandemic Worsens by Mary Kit Ollop from Timbuktu. July 17, 2009. Worldwide, observers are concerned that a rampant, virulent infection has taken hold of almost all media outlets all over the world. Professor Ed Woodburners of the Institute of Propaganda Studies has said, We've been working for years to shape the media to report what needs reporting. But even we have been surprised at how this media flu has taken hold. Dr. Joseph Gerbels, or Gerbels of the University of Misrepresentation has challenged what many are stating as fact. We question whether there really is such a thing as media flu at all. 
we actually think that what we're seeing is a result of corporate policies being implemented behind everyone's backs. The outcome of being something which looks like one illness, but is actually another. What is really happening is that powerful corporate groups, such as those controlling the energy, military, pharmaceutical, and financial sectors, are dictating what news media output should be. Symptoms of media flu include hysterical front-page headlines, not naming people involved in stories being reported, purposeful exaggeration of certain features of a story desired caused by virus is very strong, more serious symptoms include failure to report important facts, such as legal action taken by some media figures to expose the media flu for what it really is. A person in the street, and that's how it is in television, isn't it? a person in the street said, this media flu is very real. I've really noticed it since they've been going on and on and on about the swine flu trash, trying to scare us into getting vaccinated or take Tamil flu or some such thing. Many are worried that there is no cure for media flu. Alternate media figures, largely unaffected by media flu, are nonetheless worried about the rampant infection. An anonymous alternative media spokesperson, who cannot be named because they might allow people to actually check out the validity of the story, more easily said, there seems to be no cure for media flu. All those who question the nature and cause of this infection are censored, ridiculed, or ostracized. Now that media flu has really taken hold, there is no justification that the news media has a reason to exist. I think the presence of media flu explains the trend seen in print news media in recent years. They now give away free magazines, vouchers, and DVDs of movies, and they seem to have to use other gimmicks to get people to buy them. They have basically given up reporting or investigating the most important news stories. Tom Markson of the British Brainwashing Corporation said, We're being very careful that any media flu infection does not inhibit our usual activities. We will be making sure that we will always report child abuse stories, CO2-based climate change stories, cancer and health care stories, especially when celebrities are involved, credit crunch stories and the like. We will continue to make sure that any important and valid information which challenges assumptions we make and gives people real hope that a different world could be had goes unreported. After all, we have to protect the interests of the relatively small but very powerful group of people who tell us what to do. And it goes on and on and on. You see, that's satire, you see. And that's what you need sometimes to get through to those who are really down there in the land of the blind. Because you can give a, get a good chuckle out of it. It kind of resonates because there's something in the, in the back of their mind and in the, in the outside of their consciousness just wavering around there that they can connect with through laughter and what's really happening in the world around them today. And getting back and again into this reality, which goes along the same, the same lines, because after reading that satire, see, we're living satire now, if you understand that. I said ages ago, remember, interdependence, global interdependence, a term put out there years ago by a, a member of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, back in the 50s even, and it's been parted ever since. Now it's on a roll, global interdependence, where you must be interdependent. I've said it'll come down to the individual person. Wait till you see what happens. Back with more reality after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. through the matrix, going from satire to satire, really, because when you understand the big agenda, nothing surprises you. You know what to expect. And I talked about interdependence and how uh, tied in with all what you're hearing, it's all your fault. You see, there's too many people all consuming, uh, etc. Sustainability, CO2, all global warming, and then it's climate change. Uh, and on and on it goes. They're trying to tell you something, and people don't really get it. It doesn't matter how much they comply, and they will. They'll comply and they'll bend over to the last bend until their spine cracks. And they still won't get it. The, the message is they don't want you around. They don't want you around. And as they plan their next 30, 50 years, they plan to take you down. That's why folk are becoming sterile rather quickly and dropping dead of cancers all over the place at all age groups now. They don't want you around. And they've already planned that maybe in 50 years' time, look at the, the Department of Defense, 90-page uh, booklet it put out. It's up on my website in the archives section. The U.S. one is exactly the same, the big think tanks for the military. I projected the next 50 years and more with a, with a sharp drop in population in about 30 years' time after all the coming riots that they expect to happen. That's, this is their own words, their own writings. But in the meantime, they've got to shape us and, and get us to go along with it, you see, and get us all ready for it as we start all going down the tubes. And interdependence is a term, as I say, they keep using. And countries thought, oh, it just means countries were interdependent. It means you're going to be dependent for everything that you need to survive personally. That's what it means. And they're using the same old techniques they've always used. They've updated them. See, money was a con from the beginning. It's always been a con game, absolute con game. And uh, using the same techniques of the money con game and going into the carbon trading and carbon rationing game, you see. First it starts with, with the countries. And, and then big corporations, I think it was down to the individual, and I said this would come. And eventually, as I say, too, you won't sell your house unless it's been certified and, and checked out to be uh, eco-proof, uh, etc. Eco-rated. And there will be people on the streets, like refugees, because we are in an ongoing now, ongoing war situation. I said that at 9-11, the night that it happens. Everything you see in a warfare situation, rationing of all kinds, uh, people uh, traveling from place to place with wheelbarrows, that will come. I, mean, I kid you not, it will come. If you think it's getting crazy now, it's nothing, nothing to what it's planned to be. <clears throat> Here's an article here. It was from yesterday uh, from ITN and Yahoo News. Carbon rationing proposed, right? The government is being warned it may need to introduce carbon rationing to cut pollution from everyday activities such as filling up the car with petrol. This came out in, in the UK, but it's to happen across the planet. A report from the Institute for Public Policy Research, again, that private big foundation, you see, 
we don't elect that advises governments, has said that personal quotas for emissions, personal quotas, may be needed if current policies fail to cut greenhouse gases, you know, that other big farce, you know. It says, these proposed credits will be used to buy gas and electricity for powering homes, fuel for cars, and plane tickets for holidays. People who did not use up their allocations, so you're going to be rationing, you see, uh, could sell the excess to people who use more fossil fuels for their vehicles or vacations. So guess who wins here? The wealthy, this, the stinking rich win in this one. See, they don't want a middle class either. For all the lefties out there, they, they don't want a middle class at all. It's all but eradicated now as it is. The quotas would shrink over time in order to reduce carbon emissions. The Institute for Public Policy Research admits that the scheme could cost around £1.4 billion a year, would be difficult to implement and likely to be unpopular. No kidding. This is a whole layer of bureaucracy now. A whole new layer of bureaucracy to deal with you and your, your personal carbon usage, you see, and output. However, the think tank's report says that if the end of the UK's first carbon budget, carbon budget, in 2000, it's based on the same con as economics. The carbon budget. In 2012, emissions were not being reduced. The government may have to consider rationing as a plan B. The five-year carbon budgets were brought in as part of attempts to meet legally binding targets to cut emissions by at least 24% by 2020 and at least 80% by 2050 across the UK economy as a whole. Do you understand that we're talking that this should be in satire? But this is the sort of stuff that introduced into the Soviet regime, a whole new reality. We're getting, getting our new reality, and we're living through it. We're living through it. We are the proof. That's where it's going to be dangerous for those with memories to survive very long. That's generally what they do. They have to get rid of those with memory. Most will go along with everything and can't remember. It's the kind of sleepwalk through life. Personal carbon budgets. Personal carbon budgets. And, which should be in satire, because as I say, there's no pleasing them, is there? They start off with a certain quota of something, and then you fulfill that quota, and you're a good little boy and girl, and they, and they punish you again and, and, and reduce it, reduce you until your, your, your rations are, are about the size of a, a sugar cube. You know? Mail Online, it says here, uh, September the 10th, 2009, age of the bonsai bin. Families will be forced to cram their, their garbage, their rubbish, into mini containers. Mini containers. Now, they're all paying taxes and double and triple taxes, etc. We went through all that stuff before. Remember, you're supposed to get taxation with representation. In other words, if you're going to get tax for something, you're supposed to get something out of it. That was supposed to be the democratic uh, deal that was made a long time ago. And so they tax you for disposing of your garbage, etc. And then they decided to tax you again on each bag, then on top. So you're doubly taxed and triply taxed, etc. And then they, then they cut how much you can put out there, but still charge you and up your taxes, still charge you as, as though you're putting out 10 bags a week or something, and you're only putting out one. And, and people don't really get it. They're just being fleeced and fleeced into the grave here. So you try to please your masters, and you, you don't quite get why you can't please them. 
It's a different agenda at work. They don't want you around. Families are to be issued with new bonsai bins to make homeowners reduce the amount of rubbish they throw away. Now, we were given a consumer society. The governments themselves, remember, 9-11 happened, and one of the top guys in the U.S. went on at the same time as Alan Rock went on in Canada, same day, and told everybody to get out their credit cards and spend, 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 buy, 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 keep the economy going, right? Keep the economy going. It's so important to keep the economy going. Meanwhile, if you stop taking things home, you see, there's no economy. There's no economy, and you stop buying things, then people are out of work. You see? And everything that they make is covered in this plastic rubbish that you almost need a chainsaw to, to, to get the stuff off it. Way overpackaged. Everything is way overpackaged. But they don't tell the businesses to stop uh, overpackaging stuff, do they? No, it's, it's you, the guy who buys at the bottom and gets the blame for everything. So they're going to give you smaller bins to put your, your garbage. Now, Britain's bad. They've got a police state over there. And, it's of course, it's everywhere else, but it's really enforced in Britain. It's more evident. And they have guys going around checking your garbage bins. And you get massive fines if, you're, if the lid isn't on properly and stuff like that. They're training the children to, to, to go and squeal on people. Huh. And people accept this. It's astonishing. The scheme will see one city's standard size 240-litre wheelie bin, that's your garbage bin, used by more than 150,000 homes removed and replaced by smaller versions. It means that a family of five could be forced to squeeze all their non-recyclable rubbish into a meagre 180-litre container. Now, your taxes won't go down for you putting out less garbage. Why isn't that? Why did, why, why did, how come your taxes just keep going up and up and up? Eh? The scheme is being introduced in Bristol where the Liberal Democrat Council is hoping to cut the amounts of rubbish it sends to landfill and encourage households to put out less waste than, can be, than cannot be recycled. But the pattern looks likely to be copied across the country. Of course it will. We've got a trial balloon up somewhere to get everybody used to the idea and then they just bring it in. The city is one of the first to operate the government's favoured model for future rubbish services, a weekly collection of food waste and other rubbish picked up by bin men once a fortnight. Council, council leaders will vote on whether to reduce the size of the city's bins next week. Can you believe they're getting paid to debate this stuff? They're taking your money to debate this stuff? Astonishing. And you get a massive fine if, if you overdo it. Massive, massive fine. So, if you get a massive fine, how can you consume and keep the economy going? You see how they're creating mental illness everywhere? Because that's what you'd have to be, mentally ill. At the end, if, you'd believe, if you'd understand and double-think and accept the two concepts, then you'd be mentally ill. Obviously. Obviously. It's astonishing, really, what's happening. And then you go into how we're supposed to be bankrupt. We're bankrupt and bankrupt, but money, again, is, is, is a con game, isn't it? The banks looted the country, the countries of the world, again. And then, then they were rewarded for it. And we're supposedly being utterly bankrupted, again, because they take the tax money and, and put it all to paying off the bankers who said that the money that, that all vanished in their bubbles went to money heaven. I wonder who's got the keys to money heaven, because it will be somewhere. And 
And here's Homeland Security. Ground broken on $3.4 billion Homeland Security complex. And, and it's, no, it's, no, it's no coincidence it's happening now. Right now, this month. No coincidence at all. This is Washington. Washington notables broke ground on the future home of the Department of Homeland Security on Wednesday, symbolically starting construction on the biggest federal building project in the Washington area since the Pentagon 68 years ago. The project will bring together more than 15,000 employees now scattered in 35 offices in the region, placing them on a 176-acre campus strewn with historic buildings in a a long-neglected corner of Washington, five miles from the Capitol building. Department leaders hope the $3.4 billion, now you know it's going to cost more than that. I haven't heard one country in any world, one government, ever give the right. uh, It's always about ten times more, at least, you know, the time they're finished. Its core mission will be protect the homeland in ways big and small. It will help hold meetings. So it's a $3.4 billion meeting place. Secretary Janet Napolitano said it will help us build that culture of one DHS, Department of Homeland Security. One culture. That's scary, though, eh? To build that culture of one Department of Homeland Security. We were Sovietized. At the groundbreaking uh, process, political leaders shoveled dirt with care. I bet they did, because they wanted to get on their beautiful shoes. You see, very careful. But pitched historical references and metaphors with abandon. I do have a kind of paternalistic feeling towards the Department of Homeland Security, says Senator Joe Lieberman, Connecticut, an early advocate for creating the department. I feel like we're finally given a home to this child we've created, which is finally reaching maturity. That's scary, too. Lieberman likened the creation of the department's headquarters to the creation of the Pentagon. Now, listen to the Pentagon. The ground was broken on the Pentagon on September the 11th. It's always September the 11th, eh? 1941. Exactly 60 years before the 2001 terrorist attacks. What a coincidence, eh? And here they are in September, almost at September, the same date again, doing this, eh? Oh, they'll... But, of course, if you draw this together and say, isn't that like a pattern here? Oh, you're paranoid on these conspiracy nuts, aren't you? President Franklin Roosevelt planned the defense consolidation, Lieberman said, because he knew war was imminent and felt it could be coordinated more efficiently from one location. The Department of Homeland Security also will benefit by consolidation, Lieberman said. The site today has the appearance of a sprawling college campus, although one stuck in time. Established by Congress in 1855 as a government hospital for the insane, that's a good place for them. And later renamed St. Elizabeth's, the campus has 62 buildings built between 1850s and the 1940. So, there you go. They can spend like crazy, spend like crazy on something that really is, uh, it started with Richard Nixon when he put the, signed the bill for FEMA to start up. And it's been snowballing since then. But Nixon just did what he was told as well. He really did what he was told. And he was rewarded. People think he left in disgrace. But no, he was promoted because then he became a technocrat. And the public, nobody knew that he wasn't out fishing or or weeping in his his suds or something. Uh, All those years we found out when he died that he'd been the, the main negotiator for setting up China. For the, to be the, the, really the industrial leader of the, of, of the world. All those years, 
We never knew that. We never knew that. So he was, he was actually promoted, you see. So we're going, we're going through this incredible war. It's a war that most folk don't understand. They think it's vaguely about some Middle East somewhere or, or, or Afghanistan maybe or something like that, uh, or vaguely Muslim. Uh, and uh, they don't realize you know, this is a war to change the entire world and everybody in it and how you live or die, or even if you will live. And I'm not kidding about that. Hell is coming down. And it's, they're using the Soviet techniques because the Soviet techniques were not... Uh, developed in the Soviet Union. They were written about and discussed a hundred years prior to that in London, England by big foundations run by very rich people in fact the richest people on the planet and they used experts in behavioral psychology as we call it today of that era to plan how to create a new reality and they put more information on how to do it today, and we're going through the craziness now. But always remember, too, I've always said when they abuse the public, and they always abuse the public, we're just numbers at the bottom. See, you've either made it to the top, or you're nothing, in, in their reality at the top. If you're not one of them, you're nothing. And they've already decided a long time ago that the middle classes that they helped build up to help them run a system during an industrial age would have to be eliminated once we're post-industrial into this new utopia where those who, are, who have used the Darwin agenda uh, by breeding, special breeding, getting stinking rich, surviving through many generations, proving you're fit to survive will go on into the future. They don't need the middle classes emulating them. Back with more after this break. through the matrix. Remember these articles I will be put up on my site. The links I'll put up on my site tonight after the show. And you can check them out for yourself. And there's one last one before we go to a caller. And that's to do with the BBC. Um, it's from September the 8th. Of where Greenspan, Alan Greenspan, uh, had an interview, uh, a rear interview with the BBC. And he, he blamed it all on the public, the crash. He, he blamed the public, basically, for the the crash, the crash, plus he says there'll be another one to come up. He's in the know, of course. They plan the crashes because, after all, they plan the money goes to money heaven where they can lock it up securely and only they have the keys in the combination. But that's another story altogether. Now, we'll, we'll go to Brandon from Florida, if he's on the line. Hey, Alan. Yes. It's just uh, amazing how much people put up with, you know, how much we can take. Yep. And... Um, I was taking a class in economics in college, and it taught us about the prisoner's dilemma, where you uh, you can yeah. either rat out your accomplice, accomplice, or um, or both agree not to rat on each other. Mm -hmm. And it's just like um, it reminds me of just you know things we uh, we just go along with because we're not united in any one stand. Like if everyone just said, "I don't want to go to work anymore," <laughs> yeah, or, "I don't want to um, use money." 
you know, you could collapse the whole thing. But you would collapse the whole thing, and uh, uh, that's. I mean, see, they always need our cooperation for everything they want to do to us. Uh, they they go along with the conclusion and the hope, of course, uh, the informed hope, because they've got people watching the population at all times, uh, that um, all the people won't go along with the same idea at the same time. We're divided and conquered. That's what they hope. Well, that's how they hope we'll stay, because they need our compliance to do everything to us. And most folk will go along with it, too. If their neighbors are getting pulled out of the house in the middle of the night, it's okay. It's not them. It's only when it comes to them, their door, that they get upset about it. Um, if folk were to stand together and say, enough is enough, uh, enough of this nonsense, this Sovietized, elitist system. And it is a Soviet system, collectivist system. They're using, they're using all of the same techniques of brainwashing and mind control, but it's run by the same people who ran the Soviet system and set it up, and it's run from London, basically. Uh, they've been running this for a long, long time. Yeah. That's pretty scary. Uh, I had a ex-girlfriend, and she uh, had a she has a dog, and she had like a, a dog appointment at PetSmart for uh, to get her dog groomed, mm-hmm. and she missed the appointment. And they, uh, I asked her, well, you know, we'll just go another time. She said, well, they're going to charge me for that. Yes. I'm thinking, I'm just thinking, well, what in the world? <laughs> what kind mm-hmm. of place are we living in? Is like uh, they're charging for missed appointments for a dog to get a dog. Well, you're getting punished, you see. That's a, the new system is, is a, a perpetual childhood, and since we're always children, regardless of our age, we're going to get punished for everything. And this is how they do it. Governments do the same thing, too, with fines and fees and all the rest of it. Uh, punishment. That's what children understand, and that's what we get. And it's no, it's no surprise to me that business is now copying it, uh, because government's been doing this for an awful long time. Yeah, yeah that's... that's um I don't think I'll ever get comfortable with that. It's just, uh... <laughs> well, you've been mean... naughty. You see, you've been awfully naughty. And I get it, too, from the guys that I use for satellite uploading ExploreNet. They, they, if I use ExploreNet, they, they, they punish me by cutting my, my, my bandwidth until it's oh, crawling. Yeah. Yeah. Dial-up speed, yeah. But they take my money every month. That's okay. But that's just well, the I guess you got to go along with them. They're the guys leading you along. Yes, you see, they're the bosses and you're the peasants, and uh, um, they punish you for using their system and well, a very lot, flexible uh, bandwidth uh, that they have there. But thanks for calling. Uh, from Hamish yourself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you. <laughs> <laughs>